listening to Beyond the Beach, a Champ Camp podcast, the only show that brings high fives and good vibes directly to your ears. Prepare to laugh, smile, and maybe even cry a little as Champ Camp's real stories and life lessons take us beyond the beach. Elliot, we are officially live, bud. How are you doing? I am good, man. Thank you so much for having me on the uh, Beyond the Beach podcast. Dude, uh, it's an honor to have you on, man. This is, our, this is our second go of the day. We had some technical difficulties earlier uh, today, but your, your voice is crystal clear now, and, I, and you said mine is too, so I, I have confidence that we're, we're on and, and we're good to go now. Yes, I think we have defeated the gremlins or whatever other creatures were messing with our technology. For now, at least. Dude. Yeah, knock uh, on wood. Knock on wood, right. So, um, yeah, just kind of to, to jump off like we already did earlier. Uh, this is like take two, I guess. Um, before we really dig into um, your, your summer and what you've been up to over the past few months, um, I was thinking it'd be cool if you could just give uh, whoever's listening like a short intro of yourself and how you came to become a part of, of champ camp and how you and I met and um, and then we can kind of go go from there into the nitty-gritty details for sure well um, my name's Elliot Wright um, I think a lot of you that might be listening would maybe know me as coach Elliot um, Trevor and I grew up skateboarding in Westchester, um, kind of at the same time. He was of a slightly older generation of skater um, than I was, but uh, the community in Westchester, the skate community is pretty small. So I remember meeting Trevor many years ago. We've both been skating for over 20 years now. So that's kind of how I think we originally came to know each other. And then we were talking about it. And I remember I, uh, I reached out to you because I wanted to try to jump on board and help out with uh, your beach camp. And I think that was 2017 is what I want to say that summer. Yeah. Um, but I remember I was kind of at the time I had a, I didn't have a very available schedule and it didn't work out that summer. But then last year, so 2019, reached back out to you. And at that point, that was your second year of doing um, Champ Camp Skate. So uh, as a passionate skateboarder, I remember reaching out to see if you needed any help. And you said that you'd love a little extra, um, you know, another kind of hand at helping with the skate stuff. And I was super happy to jump in. And then I also did some stuff at the beach camp last summer. So um, that was another cool way to meet another extension i guess of the champ camp family exactly man yeah and we and like we were mentioning earlier it was a year ago i mean maybe now like 13 months ago that you originally reached out um last summer to say when you were back from your travels which we can jump into another episode i'm sure or there's plenty of episodes to jump in on all of your travel adventures but um it seems like so long ago but it's only been about a year yeah. Um, but I, I remember the first morning um, of that you that you started at at the skate camp and rolled up and set up camp and and you you jumped in with um, just kind of 
feeling so comfortable with the with the parents and with the kids and it was just such a natural perfect fit that it see it feels like you've been with uh, working with champ camp for years but it, it's crazy that it's only been a year so yeah it, that's a good way of putting it, it I, I feel like we've had a pretty good year considering 2020 hasn't really been the best but between finishing we had a great summer last year and then kind of transitioning, at least on the skate side, we kind of transitioned to doing the after-school lessons, which we kicked off in January. Um, and also, I mean, in terms of the Playa Vista, you know, like after, like Playa Vista in the park, champ yep. camp, after-school sessions, uh, we've, we've done a lot. We've kept the ball rolling. We've kept busy. And 2020 hasn't been the best, but we're pushing forward and getting ready for whatever happens, you know, coming forward. Adapting, man. And that's, that's yeah. right on. And yeah, you, we definitely got our feet wet in a lot of uh, different things. And especially you for kind of just jumping on about a year ago, you've dabbled in a whole lot of different parts of, of the camp, um, which is, we've been lucky to have you and has been, been awesome to, to get to uh, reconnect with you after, you know, skating when we were, we were younger yeah uh, and uh but yeah with like kind of speaking of the challenges of 2020 um this it it kind of morphed from the our after school uh skate classes and then once covid hit and we're quarantining and everything shut down we jumped into doing like live classes and so then you you were doing live skating we did live mm -hmm. ga games of skate which were a blast and um, you did juggling lessons, yeah. which I think kind of came up jokingly once. Uh, you were like, oh, my dad, I think you you were like, my dad was like, oh, maybe you should juggle or something like that. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I think you expected me to be like, yeah, let's do it. But I was like, that sounds incredible. Let's do it. And you're like, uh, okay, I guess we can figure something out. Yeah. So, um, it, 2020 has brought a whole a land, a landslide of, of new things to uh, – a try out and I think with that it is like a nice little uh transition into the past your past I don't know few months or month two and a half months or so yeah yeah um yeah it is I would say that is a good segue um as ever so basically uh as you know Trevor but for the listeners out there we uh we were doing our best to try to get champ camp moving as um as safely and kind of as um, as smart as we could uh, moving into like our first summer, uh, the first ever summer of COVID um, across the planet, you know? And I remember we were, we were trying to figure out best ways of like keeping, you know, whether it be the coaches and the campers uh, sanitized and keeping social distance and all of the, the boxes that we needed to t like check off. I remember going into the summer, really optimistic that things would potentially work, you know, depending on how the beaches would open, how the skate park would be open. Um, and so, you know, I was getting, re I was gearing up for our, our first summer of Champ Camp COVID edition. <laughs> when I got a call, this was in early June, I got a call from an old friend of mine. Uh, this is a guy that I've known since high school. We went to the same high school. So I've known him for about 16 years now. And he, he called me up with a, uh, a job offer. And this is something that I had never done before. This is something that he had done five years uh, previously. 
And the job offer was to join him uh, along with a captain and one other deckhand on a commercial fishing boat in Bristol Bay, Alaska, which is a very secluded yet beautiful part of the state where basically the bulk of the world's salmon comes from is uh, this one small bay up in Alaska. Wow. Yeah. And it was, uh, it was, it was quite a, it was a pretty crazy call to get. He called me, I think basically what had happened is there was one kid that was supposed to be joining them who had to back out last minute because I don't know why. I think he had worked on the boat before, but then this summer he wasn't sure if he wanted to commit. So essentially my buddy was calling me up with basically, I had like less than a week to prepare, I think. And he basically, he was like, Hey man, there's this spot on the boat. If you want it, it's yours. Uh, I would love to have you obviously. Um, basically he was going to put my name forward to the captain. I was going to have like a phone interview with the captain. And then if the captain liked me, I was going to, I decided, you know what, I might as well go for it. That's right. man. And of course the captain liked you and the rest is history. But I remember when you, you called me the next day after your friend yeah. had, had let you know about the opportunity. And, um, and like you had mentioned that your friend and, and kind of what a crazy, you know, what, what crazy summers he has. Uh, I think you mentioned it last summer and just talking about like, it's, it's, in, it's insane. This dude flies up to Alaska and just goes MIA for like a couple months and on a boat to, to fish and then pops back up. And, um, you know, you, so when you, when you originally called and you were like, you know, I, ha- I, I want to talk to you about something. I got a call from my buddy. I knew instantly, like I instantly got a feeling like you're going, you're going fishing. <laughs> Elliot's yeah. gone fishing. And, yeah. um, it was, it was, uh, just from the outside looking in, um, you know, knowing you had like less than a week, like five days to get all your, everything in order in order, you know, these, your boots and all your gear and your, and like get yourself, you know, mentally ready to like, just check out and go fish. Not only this thing that you've never done before, but just with the time constraint, I found myself like just blown away and like uh, vicariously, like living vicariously through you and, and like with my excitement. And I found myself like, telling all sorts of people like after you were out you know like hey have you heard about Elliot or even people who didn't know you like yeah they they would just bring it up and like you know there's this coach that works with us my friend Elliot you wouldn't believe it like in five days poof he's out of here and he's fishing somewhere uh, off the coast of Alaska so it was such a gnarly uh prospect but it's a a perfect fit for for you and and it kind of came off of at a at a perfect time just with the craziness of covid and yeah this is an opportunity to kind of step out uh step off stage for a little bit and let the world you know do its thing you know so you can kind of get away yourself you know exactly i mean that's a good way of putting it and it really was a whirlwind of emotions and things that i needed to figure out you know of um you know just more boxes i needed to check off like i got the call I talked to the captain. He was obviously super stoked. You know, he's, he told me, you know, I, even though I didn't have experience working on a boat, he said that, you know, attitude is everything really. And if you want to be on the boat and you want to learn, then that's basically half the battle. In the next, the next 
part of the battle is just getting on the plane and showing up. Um, and it was really hectic because I remember I had to rush order all my gear. So I had to get, you know, these, you know, my big old boots. You wear what are known as bibs, which are these like big overall things that are like super reinforced rubber, basically, uh, super waterproof. Keep, and they're very visible too. They're brightly colored. They're yellow and orange. So, um, you know, that's the thing with the fishing gear. It's all very bright because you want to make sure that when you're on the boat, you're the rest of the people on the boat can see you, especially if the weather gets intense. Right. Um, I had to get my like waterproof jacket, you know, I had to get special gloves, these big rubber, rubber gloves. So I had to order all this stuff, make sure that I got it to ship to LA in time. I had to order it from a place, a special store up in Seattle. It was a bit of a backwards journey, ordering it in Seattle to be shipped down here to get on a plane to go back up to Seattle. <laughs> yeah. And then from Seattle, I made it up to Alaska. But I did get everything sorted out. I got all my gear. You know, obviously, I was super bummed to be leaving uh, in terms of thinking about Chan Camp in the summer. But in my mind, it was just going to be a quick, you know, basically, it was eight full weeks, like eight weeks to break away and then hopefully, you know, come back to a more normal uh reality here this at the end of the summer things didn't turn out that way but <laughs> i think i think the trip was a, a success in the sense that i was able to break away yeah. and um come back and still have a little bit of summer left right on but but yeah. yeah so so when you first told me about it um and i feel like most like most people when they first hear kind of about the gist of of your of your adventure the first thing that comes to mind is like the the insane like uh the biggest catch type of reality shows like yeah yeah you know, uh, and it's and i i remember when you first told me about it in my in the back of my mind i'm also thinking like i'm stoked for you but also like dude that sounds pretty dangerous like yeah dangerous is uh dangerous is a good way to put it um, <laughs> yeah so if you can like paint that picture and 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 maybe fill in gaps of of just like misperceptions that probably most many people have once they hear about what you've been up to yeah well to compare it i mean the show's called uh, deadliest catch and That's i hadn't i hadn't really even seen the show beforehand uh and i think coming back from fishing i've watched a couple episodes there's like clips that you can watch on youtube i think if i had seen those episodes before i left i probably would have thought twice about going honestly um i think it might have scared me straight uh not not really but i think i think uh, i think you know i still would have gone but i would have been a little bit more nervous i think the main thing to differentiate um although there are a lot of similarities between what i was doing and what the the show depicts at least the episodes that I saw, one main difference is that um, they are going crabbing. The, the, well, the episodes that I saw, they're going crabbing. So you're kind of, you're still in a similar part of Alaska. Um, a lot, the area where they were at though, I believe is slightly more south, kind of like southwest from where we are in Bristol Bay. Um, so that I think is a, a big difference. They're fishing in a different spot and they're going for crabbing. So with the crabbing, they use these big cages which they put the bait in and then they throw the cage at like they're, you know, kind of like chain link fence, so like these cages that they throw into the water and then that's how they catch the crabs. So I think that's a main difference because we were fishing for salmon. So it was slightly different. Um, the other thing too, they tend to do a lot of that stuff in the winter. So the difference is in the winter, obviously the weather is, a, is much worse in the winter. Right. Um, also in the winter, because you're so far north, you're almost working in complete darkness, like throughout the day, 
you only have about two or three hours of light, uh, which for us in the summer is kind of the opposite, which is both good and bad. Like in the summer, we basically, you know, the sun would be up till, I mean, it would be light till after midnight, you know, and then it would kind of get dark and then it would start getting light again about three in the morning. That so such a surreal experience just jumping into that experience plus like having your <laughs> daylight and yeah and just having like perpetual daylight so th- i think that's a main difference between what i've seen on the show and then thirdly which kind of goes with the weather too is the size of the boat i think at least the boats that i saw on the deadliest catch those boats are going to be about three times the size of ours so we're on a boat that's much smaller than that our boat um is only 32 feet long uh 32 feet in length and just about 13 feet wide so a pretty small boat um whereas the boats the boats that i saw on the show were definitely about three times the length of ours so they'll you know it's like with the bigger boats you can go out in bigger weather you know kind of worse weather bigger storms whereas with us if we were on our boat where they were in the winter i don't think it would work very well (laughs) you don't want to find out it's yeah so there's like there's kind of some relative similarities and differences um but in terms of what it is i think the job very much is similar you know like you're fishing all day long you know a lot of um 12 16 18 20 hour shifts so i think there's similarities between that and the show um obviously with the weather being rough too um you know getting seasick and stuff that's going to happen on both boats uh right um yeah, but I think I think the show obviously is a television show and there's a lot of exaggerations, but a lot of the stuff that they do talk about in the show are, you know, the fears are very real, you know. I mean, the weather can be very intense. You're working with pretty heavy machinery in a lot of times. Um, things, you know, you got to be really careful with your hands. There's a lot of ways to stub your fingers or, you know, jam your hand and stuff like that because uh, you're working with ropes and you're working with nets. So there's a lot of a lot of moving parts. And, and, and with that, you were, um, when you first got back and we talked, you, you were mentioning how just like given the uncertain on, on environment and how, uh, you know, the weather could change and, you know, uh, wind and all, all the machinery that you guys had a, like a, everything you did was very like intentional with all of the uh, members of the crew and like, letting everybody know what you're doing next and so paying attention to what other people are doing almost like so you guys are working in unison as like one like the boat is its own like organism doing doing the thing uh and otherwise you could kind of imagine how things wouldn't turn out to could potentially not turn turn out too hot right for sure. Yeah. Um, especially, I mean, jumping ahead in terms of thinking about the weather, the bad weather like that, uh, basically to kind of just rewind a little bit in terms of the actual fishing we were doing. So that what the way that it would work is basically you have a big kind of like, think of it as like a big spool of thread and that's what the net is on, right? That's like, you call that kind of your, your drum. Uh, it's just like a big wheel. And so what we do is, you know, the wheel, the net is attached, is all wound up on that, like, like a spiraled on that. And then you have the end of the net, which you have a buoy on the end, right? Okay. And then on the back, on the stern of the boat, so the back of the boat, you have the stern, 
And on the stern, you have like these, they're called horns. They're like these two pieces of metal, which kind of, they're about three feet wide. They're kind of just like these two pieces of metal um, that you throw the buoy through, right? So you throw it through the gap and then the net goes out and then the net stays between the two pieces of metal. So the net doesn't go all over the place. Right. The net, just to give you another idea, is two fathoms uh, in height. So a fathom is six feet. So the net is really, it's like 12 feet tall. Okay. Just to give you an idea. And then that's, that's what keeps it in the, you know, when you throw the buoy through the, the horns, the buoy lands in the water. And then it's like you're pulling string off of a spool. You know, the captain who's, he's piloting the boat, he's, he moves the boat forwards and then the current kind of pulls the buoy. So then that causes the net to get pulled out, right? So then the net is going off the back of the boat and it's going very fast too. So this is a, when the net is, when you're setting the net because of the, the way that the, the current's pulling the buoy and then the captain's piloting the boat, the net comes off that big drum really, really fast. So one thing that you have to be really careful of is, you know, if you're anywhere close to that net and say it catches, you catch your finger in that net, it's going to pull you really forward. You know, it's going to pull you towards the back of the boat right. or it might get caught on your jacket or, you know, something like just very small things like that. So especially in bad weather, you have to be very, you know, you have to be very conscious about what's happening and say, Hey, we're setting the net. The net's going to be going out. You're going to be standing here. I'm going to be standing here. We're going to be standing far away from the action. You know what I mean? For sure. Um, and so the net goes out the net, the total length of the net is, um, 150 fathoms, which comes out to 600 feet. So then the nets in the water, right. And, we leave the net in the water where we hope the fish are and basically the net's sitting there floating. So once the net gets, once basically the net's in the water completely, another thing I just skipped off is that we, we attach a buoy to the other end. So basically when the water, when it's sitting in the water, there's a buoy on one end and then a buoy on the other end. And that's what kind of helps it float and stay near the surface. Mm -hmm. The fish then swim into it and they get stuck. And then what you do is you, you have like a big hook. And so you hook the end of the net, you attach it back onto the drum and then you use a big hydraulic motor to pull the net back in. Jeez. So, so when you get a, a couple, a couple thoughts that pop, pop up for yeah, me. Yeah, sure. One is like, is, uh, is there like technology that's being used or that plus the captain's like intuition of, uh, in terms of like where, the where a good spot to toss the net out is yeah well and, yeah. yeah okay so also like once once you do get a full net considering the, the relatively small size of your boat um like it would does that does a full net like overwhelm the the size uh like you know the size of the boat while you're you know doing whatever you need to do to to like go through the net yeah so good questions basically to answer the first one the the captain that I worked for has been doing it for 15 years. And so he has a lot of experience and he's fished in, in, in this region many years. So I think one thing is there, there is kind of technology where um, for instance, there's marine biologists that work in this area and they try to track the fish because ultimately the fish are trying to get from the sea into the rivers so that they can spawn and like hatch and have babies. Right. Mm -hmm. So 
there's, there's marine biologists who are studying how many fish are making it up the rivers. So you have, so there is kind of, and there's radio updates about that. So there are, there is some science behind like where the fish are going, uh, how much fish might be in one kind of zone. And then also I think it is a combination of like your own experience. So if a captain is fished in one area for 15 years and he knows it really well, you kind of get an idea of how the fish are going to act, you know? Right. Um, but it takes time and a lot of patience and practice to kind of learn all that. Um, because for me, I, I mean, our captain did a great job of kind of predicting where the fish were, you know, you want you know, you want to be in a spot before they get there. You don't want to be super late to the party. Um, <laughs> and so we did, we had some incredible luck where just when we were putting, where we were putting the net, when we were putting the net out, we were getting a lot, we were getting a lot of good action in the net. Um, and then the second part of your question there, yeah, I mean, you can get a lot of fish in this net. So basically our boat as a total can hold um, just about uh, 20,000 pounds at one time. That's incredible. Which is a lot. Because when you think about it, the boat is only, you know, like I said, 32 feet by 13 feet. And half of that is kind of the cabin, you know, and the bow. So the stern itself is pretty small where we keep the fish. The fish are kind of kept in these giant bathtubs. They're like giant bathtubs with really cold water in them um, with like kind of these canvas sacks that are floating in the, in the bathtub. So you like throw the fish into the, into the sacks. And then when the bags get really full up, say we get 20,000 pounds, which is, would be a fantastic day. Uh, then you, you take, your you you pretty much take your load and you deliver it to a bigger boat where there's this like massive crane that comes down and picks up the fish with a hook pulls the fish straight out of like those bathtubs and then they dump it in their own they you pretty much deliver it to them and then they have they take it from there straight till the um to the fishery where they'll process it where they'll okay. fillet it you know and prepare the fish for for sale basically that's that's so gnarly and so then after you um offload your uh the what you have out of those nets then you just kind of turn around like refuel do whatever and head back it, out. yeah basically and so the net i mean the net basically there were some days where like i said the net's about 900 feet long there was a couple days where we had uh upwards of 3500 fish in the net at one time so it's kind of a lot of fish you know yeah I think our biggest day we got about eight. We got eighteen thousand. We didn't fill fill the boat completely, but we got eighteen thousand pounds of fish, which is a, it's a lot of fish. <laughs> That's crazy. And so I remember before you left, you were you were after you had talked to your buddy and the captain, like you were kind of like you know saying just like you were unknown about like how much fish you guys might might catch, and like I'm sure going into it, like those numbers really don't mean anything. But now that you're you went through it, you guys you ended up it ended up being like you were a, the boat's lucky charm and you guys caught like a, a good amount of fish for the season right yeah I think uh it might have been my first year kind of first year luck or or whatever but or like I not not whatever it's like I said it's definitely the captain's um choice of where to fish uh and like what time to fish and stuff like that but um, with all the factors combined, we did really well. We got, uh, we, we caught a total of 181,000 pounds of fish. That is which, so crazy, man. Yeah. So 181,000 pounds 
would be with the with fish that average about five pounds per fish right. you know that comes out to like thirty five thousand i want to say roughly around there wow a lot that's um, <laughs> and so yeah so basically though you know each day you pretty much deliver your fish every 12 hours because they want it to be as fresh as possible so you know the, as soon as the boat starts to get near capacity or you've been fishing for close to 12 hours you go and you deliver your fish to the larger boat um which i didn't say before the larger boats are known as tenders so the tenders are the boats that can give you fuel they can give you fresh water for drinking and they collect your fish so that's what the job is you 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 catch as much fish as you can you deliver the fish and then you go right back out there and you do it again you put the net back in the water and you wait and hopefully you're in a good spot where it starts to fill up if you're not in a good spot then you you know you haul the net in you try a different spot um one thing i didn't mention before too is there's kind of like four main districts where you can fish uh, there's four, like four popular districts and I can go through the names of them. They are, uh, they're, they're originally named, I think, cause as Alaska was a, like a Russian territory, I believe the names are originally Russian. Um, but they also have native names as well, which I think are a little bit more difficult to pronounce, but I believe the Russian ones I have are, you have the, so in Bristol Bay, starting at the far North, you have an area known as Nushagak. Then below that, you have an area known as Naknek. Then below that, you have an area known as Igigik. And then the, the southernmost point is called Ugashik. And we spent a lot of our season down in Ugashik. Okay. Uh, which was down in the south. Um, and like I said, the captain that I worked for, he knows that area really well. So he likes to go there. But it's kind of like skating in a way because there's certain captains just like there's certain skaters that like to like to skate a certain way or like to fish a certain way. Um, and so like, there's almost like there's like fishing spots, just like there are skate spots, you know, it's like some skaters might want to go skate a handrail, whereas another one might want to go skate some stairs, whereas another one might want to go skate a swimming pool. And it's kind of the same with fishing, you know, our captain really likes Ugashik. So we went down there, but there was a lot of other boats in some of those other districts as well. That's, that's a cool way to look at it um that and and that makes makes a a ton of sense that the the goal just like if the goal is to go skating the goal is to catch a fish but there's a bunch of different ways or preferences to to get that to get that done and and i this whole uh conversation in general made me think of skating just because of um you know coming off the tail end of of the after school programs and, and like that whole curriculum that we that we were um, chatting about with, with all the kids coming through the camp or in uh, the classes was just like, you know, most of them were, many of them were beginners and it's all about just, you know, they're all facing this new thing that they've never done and they're kind of like thrown into it, uh, especially, you know, kids who have never stood on a board. So like you're, you're thrown onto this boat and you barely ever stood on a boat and you're yeah. expected to like kind of just tough it out and, and learn as you go yeah. and trust yourself and adjust when you need to. And then here, you know, you came out the other side. Um, uh, and from the first time we talked, once you got back, like I was, I was stoked to hear how stoked you were because the, you know, adventure was 
for I'm, I, I'm sure there were days where it felt pretty uh, uh, like a big, a big task at hand, or maybe you were like, you know, you just wanted a hot shower or you just, you know, thought about home or even thought about skating, but you made it through and now you're looking back and I, and it sounds like you're, you're, you're happy you did it, you know, and just like the kids that we've seen at camp that are scared or nervous and uh, maybe they fall and get hurt or they would rather be at soccer practice or whatever the thing is, then they push over that hump. And then lo and behold, after the camp or after the class is over uh, or after they finally roll in, you know, they're, they're hyped because oh, they yeah. went through that hard thing, you know? For sure. I mean, I mean, I tell, I tell this to a lot of the kids that I've worked with at champ camp in terms of skating, you know, nothing really good comes that easy, you know, whether it be skating or whether it be learning how to fish. And so, and for me, I think it's maybe the skater in me, you know, there's with skating, there's always a challenge of like trying to get better at it and trying to perfect whatever you're working on, trying to expand your bag of tricks. And with the fishing, it's kind of the same sort of thing. Um, I remember at the beginning when I got on the boat, the captain just kind of told me to watch my buddy. And like, so, like I said, there was three of us deckhands who were kind of working on the boat. At first, the, you know, the captain told me just to watch them, just watch them for a couple days, kind of get an idea of like how things are working, like where they're standing, like what they're doing, what they're watching, you know, being aware and kind of take it slow. And then once you kind of see what they're doing, then start jumping in and trying to get hands on and, and like the logistics of how to fish. I, I mean, I just explained it and it might be kind of confusing to explain just um, without being able to show you show the listeners but the process of, of setting out the net and hauling the net and working with the net I mean that's basically the job once you kind of figure that out then the the thing is is just getting better at it getting more efficient with it um, but you know in terms of like the actual process of doing it once you once you see it done a couple times you kind of understand how it works and right. then it's just a matter of getting better uh, getting better with it um, right. But yeah, I mean, I, I definitely would compare it to being, I mean, I kind of talked about it. I think just going fi- going on the fishing boat, I was definitely a novice. It was like the first time I went to a skate park, just being so overwhelmed by everything and just taking, you know, I think the first time I went to the skate park, which, you know, at the time I was nine years old, it was like, whoa, it was like a microcosm of just madness, you know, just like a chemical reaction of skaters bouncing around and jumping up and down and I remember just kind of watching you know taking it in and watching and it was like the same thing on the boat you know just taking it in watching the pros because the guys I was with know what they're doing just kind of watching them and then you know just trying to come out of my comfort zone and try try my best and like I said I went into it with the attitude of just wanting to learn and wanting to have fun and I definitely did have a lot of fun um that's awesome dude but there were definitely a lot of parts that were tough too and i think i guess the 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 craziest part about it is just like i kind of alluded to earlier just like those long hours you know because the thing is is the season is really short you know i was only you're i mean i was up there for eight weeks um we were in the water for six weeks so basically the first week and the last week we were working on the boat and we were cleaning the boat but those middle six weeks are when it's kind of crunch time. And even within those six weeks, there's like two weeks where it's like really, really busy. So 
um, if there's a lot of fish, you want to be fishing basically. And, and, you know, the captain obviously is trying to catch as much fish as possible. This is his livelihood. You know, he's a professional fisherman. He doesn't work, um, at all throughout the year. He just works when he's fishing and then he makes enough money to kind of live with his family throughout the rest of the year, which is really cool. Um, but you know, so when those days, there's a lot of fish, like you're fishing, like you're, if it means you're going to be up for 20 hours or 22 hours, then that's the case. Um, even to the point where it's almost like we were kind of, there was a period there where all the days really start to bleed into one because you're kind of just working nonstop. And what we would do is we would take like, um, sleeping shifts where, someone would you know whoever went last would sleep for like three hours then the other guy three guys would be up keeping keep an eye on on what's going on and then you know after three hours the next the person would get up and kind of rotate so we did that for a little bit those days were pretty tough because you're just really tired and that's to go back to what you were saying before as well it's during those times when you have to be really conscious about what's going on um keeping an eye on on everyone communicating talking through planning what you're going to do before you do it um it's almost like you want to move in slow motion like you you know what you're going to do but you you need to be very smart about how what you're doing and just because when you're tired it's really easy to become less kind of sharp you know you kind of become a bit distracted and that's when accidents can happen so what happens um, when the captain naps matt like (laughs) <laughs> so when the cat, so the captain, um, he would nap, but at the same time, this guy's like a superhero, man. Like this guy can really work on not a lot of sleep. I was very impressed. Cause even, even when he's napping, it's like, he has a sixth sense where it's like, he can, he can hear a sound in the boat and know exactly what it is. Like whether it be the engine or something in the electrical room or, you know, so he's like got this really acute sense of what the boat's doing. Gee. So when he, I mean, when he was sleeping, um, he would usually sleep when he knew it would be like a very low risk kind of time. You know, he would try to, we would try to work it so that if he was going to sleep, we would either take a little break from having the net in the water, or we would, we would be in a place where we would have to worry about like the weather getting bad. You know, um, we tried to work around it. Um, but we also did ter- take turns piloting the boat, which is pretty fun too. Oh, sick. If we needed, you know, doing that. Um, so yeah, uh, those I'd say were the hardest days, um, but it wasn't like that the entire time. You know, there was a lot, you know, it, we, would, we would get some sleep every day, some days longer than others. Um, and then especially towards the end of the season, once, once that peak kind of period passes, then it becomes a lot more mellow. You kind of go back to regular sleeping patterns, um, specifically going off of like what the tide is saying, right? So we have high tides and we have low tides and we have tides that are ebbing and tides that are flooding and so that's that's basically if there's fish at a certain spot and there's low tide then you might work even if it's the middle of the night um so yeah it's kind of weird so now kind of transitioning out of that i just want to talk about how it has been returning back to life on land Uh oh hello i'm here i hear you there you go yeah okay cool uh, sorry, I thought we cut out again. Um, but yeah, I mean, because that just like going there and, you know, getting acclimated, you know, to the boat and to your new job over there. And then uh, that just like that was a, a whole 
challenge in and of itself, like coming back to life over here as you as you knew it, it was probably uh, gave its own kind of weirdness and challenges, right? Oh, certainly, man. So, I mean, the expression is, is like you want to get your sea legs when you're on a boat. Um, and then when you leave a boat, you kind of need to find your land legs. So when I came back on dry land, I definitely still had my sea legs on. Um, there was moments where it's like I was kind of standing still and I felt like, you know, the whole world was just kind of rocking like you're on a boat, you know, even though I was standing on dry land. So mentally, that's a really weird thing for your brain to kind of get used to again. Um, it all has to do with your balance and your inner ear, right? So that took that alone was kind of interesting. It took me several days to get over that. You still hearing me? Hello? Yep, I hear you now. You get cut out for a sec. Oh, okay, that's all right. There so it took me... It took me a little while to get used to being um, kind of back on land in that sense. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, that was kind of the biggest transformation of just like going back to clock time, going to bed when it was dark, getting up when the sun was coming up. Uh, the first couple nights I woke up in the middle of the night and I thought I had to like be fishing. Like my brain was still ready to go fish. Um, Keep bathtub full or something. Yeah, I'd wake up thinking like, okay, I'm ready. Like, let's do this. And then I was like, oh, no, I'm in my room in California, like very far away from a boat. So sure. um, that was very strange. But then, I mean, I think the thing that I want to kind of mention as we're winding down is just like the, the lessons that I learned from it all, you know. Um, I think uh, the one thing that I learned about the trip and coming back to normal life uh on land, I should say, uh, is just being appreciative, um, of the simple things, the small things. Uh, you kind of alluded to it earlier, like you're not really able to have hot showers. So coming home and having a hot shower was pretty incredible. You know, that's something that we all take for granted. Um, whether you take one every day or twice a day or every other day, but being on a boat, you don't get to do that. So I really enjoyed coming home and having a nice shower. Um, even something as simple as like plumbing, you know, like for us, we had a, there was a head on the boat. A head is the, the other word for the toilet. Um, but it was something that you have to pump by hand, right? So it's pretty cool to have like a toilet that flushes by itself here on dry land. Yeah, um, very cool. <laughs> a big one too is fresh produce. I really... We didn't really have, we, we ate a lot of canned food, a lot of rice. Uh, we ate a lot of fish. The fish was delicious, but we didn't really get a lot of fruits and vegetables. So even just the small stuff like that, I was really appreciative of to come home to that stuff. Um, That's amazing. It's like, I guess the other thing too is like being able to have space. You know, when you're on a boat, you don't have a lot of space. And when you, when you live in a house or when you live on land you could just go for a walk if you want to go for a walk around the block or you know um you can kind of lie out on the couch and in your living room you know you don't really have that luxury when you're on a really small boat wow. so that was a really that was a really interesting thing to take away too um have you felt have you seen those things like you've been back a little over a week now right have you seen yeah. that stick to, like you know that that appreciation yeah. I mean, I'm trying to keep reminding myself, you know, it's just like, it's going to, I think I want to try to keep it as like a, 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 every morning, just like wake up and face the day and just try to remember, you know, like, Hey, 
things are pretty nice here. Like, um, I'm, we're really lucky to live where we live in a, in a, in a country, in a, in a world, at least for us in America, where, you know, we have food on the table. Um, you know, there's, we have a roof over our heads. There's a lot of things that we kind of take for granted. So I try to remind myself now every morning of that more so. Yeah, man, um, that's powerful. You know, you, you don't, uh, with like, with a, a mind on overdrive too, you don't, you don't have to, um, go to Alaska to lose touch of that, of those, uh, amenities or uh, of that appreciation. You know, I just kind of reflecting on myself and, and when times get, uh, overly crazy or, you know, um, there's a lot, there's a lot on the table to that's uncertain, you know, just pretty much for everybody yeah. facing what we're facing right now, you know, um, moving your physical location is one way to, you know, forget about or to, to detach from, you know, the stuff we're all used to and take for granted, but you can be in your own house and then just be wrapped up in your own mind and lose and, and not be appreciative of the stuff that's right in front of you. So I think that that lesson above all else that you brought back is, is a powerful one that we can all benefit from every second of the day. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, and especially with, you know, with COVID being an example, not to dwell on it too much, but you know, COVID sucks. We don't really like where we're at with it. Um, but at the same time, there's people that have less than us and they still have to deal with COVID. So it's like, at least, you know, we're, even though we might think things are bad for us right now, there's definitely people out there that are struggling more. So I think it's important to try to remember that. Not that I, not that that was the case so much being on the boat, but being on the boat just kind of makes you stop and think about it a little differently. For, right on. Yeah. The, the kind of like the, uh, the power of gratitude and stopping to appreciate whatever the thing is that you maybe uh, lost touch with or lost <laughs> physical uh, proximity to by going. Go yeah. On. Yeah. I mean, even just a, another thing that I, I wanted to mention was breaking away from technology was really cool. Like breaking away from my phone. Uh, I mean, there was no TV on the boat. Uh, I didn't even have my phone in my hand for basically the whole time we were at sea. So it was pretty cool to not have, Something, you know, something that you don't really even realize that you use all the time, you know, as soon as we got back and I was looking at my phone, just the screen the uh, you know, the, um, the LED screen just looked so weird, you know, like with the pixelated images and, and just even, you know, texting seemed kind of strange. So I think it was cool to break away from that because you, you reconnect with other things, like, which leads me to my next point, which was kind of like a reconnection with nature. Um, and Alaska really is like the final frontier, you know, it's, uh, it's incredible how it's, it's a, it's a U.S. state, but yet it feels like a whole nother planet. It's like wow. so cool. Um, in terms of nature too, I wanted to mention, we saw some pretty cool animals when we were up there. Like we saw some gray whales. We saw some uh, walrus. We saw some grizzly bears, which was pretty thrilling to see some uh, bears like up pretty close too, not yeah. too far away uh so that was pretty wild and then probably the most patriotic of them all was the bald eagle we saw a lot of eagles up there who were looking for their own fish just flo floating around 
everywhere just hanging out doing their thing you know and it's like wow uh you kind of forget for a minute that we're sharing the world with all these beautiful creatures and uh in a way that's really their home before ours so it's pretty it's pretty cool to be able to see that because you forget that you know when you live in a city you don't really see stuff like that so for me i was like super excited and you know the captain was like oh he sees these every year so he's a little bit less uh, interested but i was like blown away like whoa look at look at all these animals and you know it that's really cool it's good to connect with nature and be in the sea and you know seeing blue skies and mountains and you know all that i think is really good for your mental um kind of your psyche and your your approach to life and how you see the world yeah just shaking things up a little bit man for sure it's like a you know it's like the it's like the snowball of your, um, you know, like the snow globe of your uh, kind of your mind, you know, like shaking it up, like just giving it a new visual stimuli. It's pretty cool, man. Um, and then the, I guess the final thing that I kind of wanted to, in terms of things that I'm really appreciative of, like I just have a newfound respect, you know, for people, uh, whether they be fishermen, whether they be farmers that really um, do a lot for you on an everyday basis, you know, like these are the people that are for in fishermen in terms of fishermen like they're putting their lives on the line to bring you like a fresh like healthy product that you can just pick up in the supermarket but there's a lot that goes into it you know and like i said farmers too i mean there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes whether it be like from getting something out of a field on your plate and i think by being able to see that myself i think that's a really important lesson because it just makes you it it brings you back to that appreciation of like, wow, like it's so cool that I'm able to like have this great food right now. Um, and someone, someone made this happen so that I could do it, you know, so that I can enjoy it. That's powerful, man. And, and, yeah. and coming back with that, that in your, just that reset and like that, that uh, extra layer of awareness on like, it's like really everything you're doing, but then also just like, as, as specific as food is, is I think it's powerful and it, and it can add uh, like a little depth and appreciation to your day, I think, or to anybody, yeah, all of our days, exactly. kind of like, how did this, you know, how did this thing end up, how did this stuff end up on my plate as instead of like, I'm hungry, I'm just going to scarf it and then, you know, open my eyes after and, and then. Oh there. yeah, for sure. And then, I mean, it even makes you think more too about like, not to go down another rabbit hole with it, but just even waste, you know, like it makes you, it makes you appreciate your food more. It makes you not want to waste it when you realize how scarce good food is. And the fact that we're able to have it is pretty incredible, you know? That's powerful, man. Um, but yeah, I think so that, uh, that's a feeling that I, it's almost like I wish I could bottle it and give it away to people. Like, you know, this, this pretty cool newfound perspective on things. And I think that perspective because it was my first year, it's very powerful. Whereas like the, my buddy who now he's done it for six years, the captain who's done it for 15 for him. I mean, he gets that feeling every year. So it's like, he gets a recharge of it, you know, but for him, I think it's less profound for me. It was like a real kind of punch in the face of like, Whoa, this is so, you know, just a new perspective change. And I think that's why people like to go back as well. You know, like if you have a good first year, and you know there's the positives definitely outweigh whatever negatives there were and there were some negatives like i said but nothing so so difficult that i couldn't bounce through it um it's definitely something that i want to consider doing again you know it's something i'm going to try to explore a little bit 
if there's an opportunity to do it, I definitely will do it again. And I'd recommend it, you know, I mean, there's a lot of people that, uh, think that they can do it and then they want, they go up there and they, they, they can't. And I think a lot of that just has to do with their attitude. You know, I think anyone can do it if they want to do it. You know, it's just a matter of a finding the position, which is kind of tough, but then once you're up there and putting yourself in it, anyone can do it. You don't need to be a big, strong, crazy, you know, kind of lumberjack type, you know, I'm not, as you know, I'm not the biggest guy. Um, but it's more about just being wanting to be up there and kind of open to learning something new and, and just challenging yourself. It's about the PMA dude, positive mental attitudes, shout out to your dad, uh, and, and having that. And, and I, and that's, what's always drawn me to you. Uh, especially over the past years, just, uh, you're going, you just going with the flow and, uh, and that's, I think, what it takes for, obviously, to get through a, a first season of fishing, but really through anything. And I think that's a huge takeaway that is relevant, um, you know, more now than than ever before. And, and as you know, something we try to uh, spread uh, via good vibes through whatever we do with, with Champ Camp, you know? Of course, dude. PMA all day, dude. Yeah. And uh, good vibes and air fives in the yeah. world. That's, that's, what, that's where, where we've arrived at. Well, I know. I love it. Well, I, do, you have, do, you have, uh, do you have any questions, man? Uh, like any, anything that you were burning to, uh, like an internal <laughs> desire I, to know? Well, I mean, I think that there's some sort of uh, – ESP going on because as we went, as you kind of went through your story and, and then jumped into like the, the takeaways that you, um, that you brought from the, the trip, um, you, all the things that I had in mind that I wanted to pick your brain about, you just kind of naturally <laughs> just like mainly, yeah, the, like the, 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 the lessons that we, you, you pulled from, uh, from fishing that applied to skating that applied to life and, and kind of how that, how that sh might've shaken you up a little bit and, and then, you know, recalibrated, uh, you to just continue, um, living life back, back here on quote unquote normal land. But, uh, yeah, okay. yeah I appreciate you, you, uh, jumping on here, uh, on this, as the, the second guest of this, uh, this podcast and, uh, and taking us beyond the beach because I think it's cool for um, people to just you know hear what what we have going on outside of Champ Camp and or outside of skating. Um, but also there's there's so much so much to uh, you know just note that's in, inter. There's so much that's interwoven with everything we do. Like it's seemingly random to do skate camps, beach camps, and then go fishing and then come back and be appreciative of vegetables. But really there's not. And, you know, it's, it's cool to have you tell your story and, and take some time to kind of reflect on how, uh, how it's changed, how it's changed you and kind of just, you know, everything you went through and experienced, man. So thank you. For sure. Well, thank you. I was honored to uh, be the second guest speaking um, beyond the beach. And I guess one final thought is that for anyone out there uh, that would like to hear more about my stories, come find me, whether it be at the skate park, hopefully on the beach sometime soon, once we get some beach camp going uh, in terms of, you know, skate stuff, I'm, I'm more than happy 
to tell you more stories um, and fill you in with any questions you might have. And obviously, if you would be interested in doing it, I could do my best to see what I can do um, in terms of putting people forward. But it's, uh, yeah, it's something that if you want to learn more, feel free to reach out. And uh, I'd love to talk more about it if you're so inclined. All right, dude. Well, uh, on that note, I, w I appreciate you. I'm happy you're, you're home safe. And uh, your story is one for the record books, man. Cheers, man. Have a good one. Yeah, you too, Elliot. You've been listening to Beyond the Beach, a Champ Camp podcast. High fives and good vibes. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. And we hope you had fun. We know we did. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, find our website at champcampkids.com and on social media at champcampkids. Till next time, keep the high fives and good vibes. This is Beyond the Beach, signing off.